who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair and yep. his ice-cold demeanor and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. My name is Sergeant Andrew Scott. Come on, guys, don't do this. If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy. I don't think you like me grumpy. And you go in pieces, asshole. Let's kick some ass. Hello, and welcome back to I Must Break, this podcast. The fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Today, we're going back to 2017 and discussing Dolph's guest starring appearances on the fifth season of the hit CW show, Arrow. In this adaptation of the DC Comics character, Dolph stars as Konstantin Kovar, the leader of a Russian criminal empire who shows up in flashbacks as the main antagonist to the show's hero, Oliver Queen. In these brief appearances, Kovar helps set the stage for the events that are to come in the series, as well as helping Oliver Queen establish his legacy and role as the titular superhero, Green Arrow. You work very late hours, Mr. Queen. Putting Kelly back on the table is a huge step backwards. That's not what she would have wanted. The dead don't want anything. If you hit me again, I'm gonna kill you. It's not pain that breaks people. It's fear. SCPD thinks that these murders might be the works of a different vigilante. It's just me out there. I can't do it alone. I'm recruiting a new team. They're already out there, Oliver. Because of you. Inspired by you. I'm Curtis. Evelyn Sharp. So wait, this training? Get past me. Ring that bell. So we're playing games now? Central on the CW. 
I'm your host, Sean, and returning to the show to help me chat these episodes is comics aficionado Travis Bowe, host of the Real Comics Heroes podcast. Travis, it's a pleasure. Thank you for agreeing to come back. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, excited to uh, to come back and, and talk about talk about Dolph and talk about this show and and just get a chance to talk to you again. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's been it's been a while, hasn't it? I mean, it's I think, been I think so, yeah. Almost 4 years or so, wow. is that right? I mean, that sounds right. It's crazy, but yeah, that's probably probably right, yeah. Yeah, last time I had you on, I, I think I had to twist your arm to chat uh, <laughs> hidden assassin, right? Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but what was interesting about that one is I don't remember you coming out and hating that one. You actually no. seemed no, to appreciate yeah. it, which I I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, no, I remember, I think fun, you know, I, I think back on that movie fondly, I, I haven't watched it since, but of the, of that genre of just kind of, you know, uh, whatever you want to call that particular, you know, movie, like, it, I think it did, I think it was pretty good, so thriller i guess we can say yeah right? yeah political thriller maybe. political yeah, yeah kind of uh well I'm, I'm so glad to have you back on i mean because you know i always try to find guests who i think um would kind of align and fit the uh and and fit the topic that we're that we're talking sure. about perfectly and so um when i broached the idea of doing this one i mean i'll just be honest at first i don't think i was gonna do the um the the six episodes of Arrow, but then I thought, well, I mean, once I mean, this is Dolph playing uh, a new character once yeah. again, and there there is a bit of a story arc. So I thought, you know, no, well, I I think this um lends itself perfectly to an episode, and I mean, having you back on, it was kind of a no brainer because you're, I mean, I I think it's fair to say you're a bit of a uh, of an expert in in the world of of, of comic books, right? Uh, expert might be a bit lover, not an expert. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this will be interesting because, um, I, I know that you are familiar with uh, the show. I know that you're familiar with the comic book and the character and all of that. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I um yeah I guess you could say that I'm I'm a bit of a lover as well. Um, you know I read comic books growing up constantly. Yeah. I, I I still do. I still have a huge collection. I, I don't think I've picked up a comic book sadly though, in in years. Not because mm-hmm. I've outgrown them or I don't like them or anything like that. It's just you yeah. know I'm talking. Yeah, there's no time for it sometimes. Yeah. Well, there's no time for it, and you know what's weird, and this is gonna sound this is gonna make me sound like old man River, and I don't mean for that too at all, but um. I don't really like the comic books nowadays. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, okay, reading, reading these things, I mean, they, the art was beautiful and you could tell that it was hand drawn. It was awesome. Nowadays, if you look at most comic books, the, the artwork appears, um, almost like oil paintings. It's almost too realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some that I've read, you know, that, that I don't enjoy. I'm, I'm more just, plowing through it for the story. Um, And I I read everything now digitally, uh, mostly Marvel stuff through their, their Marvel unlimited app. And most of what I read is old stuff. I've went back and have been reading everything from the, you know, from the sixties forward. So all the Avengers and fantastic four and Spider-Man and all that. So it, it, so that's great. Just being able to see all the old 
artwork, you know. Well, I guess that's that's kind of the beauty of the digital age that we're in. Yeah, I mean, because when when I was collecting in the comics, uh, the comic collecting boom heyday, you know, back in nineteen ninety ninety to ninety three was when it was huge. I oh remember. yeah. Um, but in order to read something from the golden age, I mean, you had to pluck down quite <laughs> quite a lot of money. So it, it yeah. is kind of interesting that nowadays you can um, read these things and not have to worry about. Um, you know, uh, uh, breaking an account in order mm-hmm. to, uh, to find it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, well, if we look at, if we look at this show, I mean, like I said, I knew that you'd be perfect for this one, I guess before we dive into these particular episodes and we should, we should first of all say that, okay, we're not reviewing the, um, the entire television show arrow, right. we're not even reviewing the entire, um, fifth season. We are just looking specifically at uh, these six episodes that, uh, that, that yeah. guest start on. Um, and so I was hoping you might be able to fill in some of the gaps, maybe help me understand some of the sure. things, but um, before we get there, I guess your experience with not just the television show, but I guess the character and the comic book, it's my understanding you were a pretty loyal watcher of the show for the first couple seasons. Is that right? Yeah, I think I watched, uh, seasons one through three, you know, and just kind of fell off of, of this and all of the CW shows. I watched probably two or three seasons of The Flash and at least the first season of uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So for a while, I was like really into this whole, like they call it the Arrowverse, you know, since it started with this show. Yeah, I mean, it, I enjoyed it. It just became, you know, a little routine with all the, um, the the CW ness of it, if that makes sense. You know, uh, yeah. they tend to follow a format, and that can get a little old. And I think I think we were talking um, just through our messenger that had these had these series had these seasons been thirteen episodes like a. Netflix, Marvel, you know, Daredevil kind of series. I, I think they would have been able to do tighter storytelling, not have to have to fill out 23 episodes every season. And, and like I said, get filler, you know, mm-hmm. I think these could have been, you know, pretty amazing uh, shows. And I, I do think they're good shows for, for what that's worth. But um, I think for a little while, there was just so many of them and, there was, you know, when these were on, I, I know that there was a flux between, you know, well, we we no longer have cable. We don't have the streaming service that these episodes, te- you know, are on particularly. So it also just falls away, you know, because I don't have the ability to watch them when they come out. So I need to catch up with them later. And then, you know, like everything else, it's just like, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. But. Yeah. Well, you have you have precisely described why I um, quit watching everything that comes out of Marvel. To be honest, okay. because yeah. I mean, I, I remember back in that period. I mean, you um, obviously you remember this, but you know, two thousand eight. Okay, when the first Iron Man movie came out. Yeah. Okay, so two thousand eight to two thousand eleven. Okay, when it was all building up to the Avengers. Oh, yeah. man, that was, I'll admit, that was pretty exciting. That was pretty cool. 
The problem is, at least for me, because I know that it still has tons of loyal fans and followers, but the problem for me, at least, especially within the past 10 years, is they've been doing so much. They've been doing too much. And it all, for me at least, it's all started to feel the same. You know what I mean? I mean, I know that a lot of fans out there are like, um, as of this recording, um, Guardians of the Galaxies in theaters and doing Mm -hmm. quite well. And I know a lot of people have asked me, have you seen it? Have you seen it? And I'm thinking, no, I I haven't (laughs) even seen the first one because to be honest, like they've, they've, I mean, they've, I'm sorry. And I've said this on the show a couple of times, I think already, but they've burned me out, man. I mean, they've been doing, and I think that's with anything. When you put Mm. out content or the same thing so much, then you're going to, um, saturate the market and get yeah. fans tired. I mean, if you just look at this, okay, again, as of this recording, we're in May, but back in March, they just released the Ant-Man movie. So right. we're not even like two and a half months, you know, yeah. uh, have passed since the last one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, if, if you would have told me when I was a kid, there's going to be so much comic book, you know, content on on the small screen and the big screen that you're not even going to go see all of it Mm -hmm. i you know i thought you were crazy there's no way i wouldn't watch a all of an arrow show and all every marvel movie you know but yeah i've for a long time i always heard about the comic book movie fatigue it's like Mm -hmm. well i don't think i'll ever get there but i Ever since Endgame came out, Endgame left me so satisfied yeah. that everything post Endgame, I've just I've cared uh, a little right. less about yeah. everything. Um, the the next phase after Endgame with like Shang Chi and uh, I don't know what all else was in that phase, but yeah, it all just didn't matter to me as much, and uh, I'm. You know, with you, I haven't seen uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and I haven't seen Guardians 3. Um, I did see Thor, Love and Thunder. I I did see Black Panther 2, you know, so it's like I'm I'm still seeing some of this stuff, but it's it's it doesn't matter to me as much anymore. Um, I still love the comic book movie, you know, genre as a whole, but. Yeah, I'm I'm finding it's less it's less uh appointment television or appointment movie. Yeah, I I don't have to see this stuff immediately anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I think the I mean I mean you just said it. I think the luster and the um the the shine of, of these films has um really started to uh to wear off a bit. And so oh, yeah. I mean Obviously, I don't hope, you know, I, it's not like I wish any, any film, okay, whether it's a comic book based film or anything like that. Um, I, I don't wish any of these to, uh, uh, to do mm-hmm. poorly by any means, but it is, it is interesting now that we're in a state where, okay, Quantumania, okay, I know that one took a huge hit at the box office in its second week and then that one kind of left. Yeah. Um, I know not all of the, um, Netflix and uh, Disney shows have gone over super well. And so it is, it is kind of nice, I guess, in a weird way to see this huge um, behemoth conglomerate that is Marvel and Disney finally be humbled for a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, okay, well, I mean, if we look at the character of Green Arrow, okay, I don't know where you always stand on Green Arrow. Mm. I mean, like I said, I, I read comics growing up, and yeah. I, I knew who all the characters are. Right. I can just say that. Yeah, right yeah. Now. I knew who all the characters were. Um, I even, I mean, this is going way back. I don't know if you remember this or not, but um, do you remember comic collecting cards? Oh, of like course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that was, I mean, it's hard to believe that that was a huge market that it was. Oh, man. That's, 90s. yeah, that's yeah. probably what got me into reading comics because the cards were easy to trade in, in the classroom. Yeah. And so I'd have these little, you know, pictures of Spider-Man and, and who have, I was very Marvel centric, you know, for, for the longest time. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah. so that's what got me into reading, uh, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men and all that. So, so yeah, very familiar well, with the comic cards. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I collected, I don't know if you remember, but uh, DC, DC comics had their own line of sure. uh, trading cards. They were called the DC cosmic cards. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and so I collected all of those. I loved those mm. things. Cause what was cool about those ones is, um, they would, they would have multiple versions of, say, for example, uh, Superman. Okay. Sure. They had multiple versions of all the characters. So they had the, the golden age Superman, the silver mm. age Superman, and then the modern age. Superman, which is, and they did that with all the main characters. Nice. And so, um, yeah, I collected those. Um, Superman, I think I've said this on the show before, but Superman's always been my favorite hero, mm. um, especially out of DC. Um, though I also had an affinity for a few other DC characters. Um, the Flash was always, I was a big fan of the Flash. Um, Swamp Thing, I always thought Swamp Thing was really, really cool. Oh, um, yeah. Lobo, I don't know if, uh, sure. know Lobo. Lobo was a cool character. And what's interesting is I knew of the Green Arrow. Okay. I knew of the Green Arrow, but he was never a character that I consider reading or uh, pursuing for, for monthly adventures. I mean, to me, he always seemed like a kind of like a Robin Hood ripoff. I mean, <laughs> right. going, going right down to his look and costume. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if you even want to go further down the rabbit hole, I know. Um, Back in the early 80s, they had the Superpowers line of action figures. Sure. Okay. I loved those action figures. They were so colorful. But Green Arrow was always a character that I collected all of those figures, but Green Arrow was a character that I was like, eh, I'm okay not having that one. I don't need <laughs> that one. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I never uh, – Green Arrow was always a – someone who would pop up in a comic I might be reading, uh, maybe mm -hmm. a, a supporting character, but I think I read the Kevin Smith did a run, a green arrow. I forget. Was it called year one? No, that was someone else that wrote year one uh, for green arrow. Um, but uh, yeah, Kevin Smith did a run of Green Arrow comics, and I read that, and it was pretty fun. I think the art was by uh, Phil Hester, who I really like, and that's probably the only run of Green Arrow comics I've ever read. And then he's popped up in things like uh, he's got a pretty memorable part in The Dark Knight Returns, uh, kind of shows up in the final battle to to help. Uh, Batman take down Superman and yeah, I mean, just like, like I said, he'll pop up in other things that I might be reading, but yeah, I've never really read a ton of, of green arrow comics. So. And I would, I would be, I mean, I don't want to put this challenge out there to any of the listeners, but I, I'd be willing to bet 
that the number of fans who are saying my favorite DC Comics hero, okay, is Green Arrow. I mean, you know what I mean? It, it, he just it doesn't really seem like yeah. that. You know, it seems like if you wanted to go with a green hero, Green Lantern seems much more um, right unique to do that with. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which, I do know that um, I do I do know a little bit about the the, the history. Not much. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel the need to go down. You know, the creation of the character, but yeah. I do know that um, there was like a team up series back in the seventies between Green Arrow and Green Lantern. I guess yeah. the uh, I guess the minds at uh, a DC Comics. I, I wonder if they thought to themselves, "Hey, wait a minute! These two <laughs> characters really aren't selling um, right and, <laughs> and their own titles very that 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 much." But I guess if we put the two green characters in their own comic <laughs> series together. Um, instant, there was instant one, hit, yeah, instant hit. But wasn't there one issue? It's gone down as a classic. Where um, wasn't Green Arrow like battling? Or no, no, they they were dealing with someone who was battling drug addiction, right? Yeah, it was, it like was a huge issue. You know, it, it massively, uh, like I mean, it's a historic, you know, issue. It's a famous cover. It's uh, Green Arrow's sidekick, Speedy, is uh, like they're they're. It's Green Arrow and Green Lantern that are like busting through a doorway, and you see in the foreground, it's it's Speedy who. I think has a syringe up to his arm or, or maybe they're just, maybe there is no syringe, but they are implying. And you know, the word balloon is like green arrow saying my, my ward speedy is a junkie, you know, and it's, it wow. was them taking on, you know, drug addiction. I think that was Denny O'Neill and, uh, uh, Oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Um, he just passed away too. Actually, both of them did, uh, Neil Adams. And okay. so, yeah, they, I think they worked together on the, on most of that series, but definitely that issue. And uh, yeah, just kind of taking on the, the drug, you know, epidemic that was going on for a while. And Marvel kind of did a similar thing. They, they had uh, Harry Osborn was, you know, a, addicted to pills. I mean, that's as, as specific as uh, Stanley would get with, with any of that. But um, yeah, I mean, that one I think was, you know, made history, I think. So well, it's certainly the only cover of a green arrow comic I can like recall. Yeah. You know, I, I think most fans to be perfectly honest, I mean, maybe yeah. I don't, I don't want to go out there and make, make assumptions or anything like that, but I'd be willing to bet that, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, the television show. Okay. If we look at the CW television show, um, it seems to have done, with the character, what the Aquaman movie did for the Aquaman character and that it made the character seem cool. I, sure. I think we can agree. I think we can agree that both Aquaman and, and Greeno may on the page, if you look at them in their original comic book incarnations or whatever, they may not have always looked like the coolest flashiest character, I think. But yeah. I know that, um, I mean, with the, with the Aquaman movie. I mean, that's Jason Momoa. I mean, he really made that character. He kind of added this kind of rock and roll element to the character of Aquaman. And that's basically, I think to an extent, what kind of happened with, um, with the green arrow character. I mean, Mm. first of all, the show is called arrow. They cast the actor, um, Stephen Amell. Okay. Who, you know, is, is, is young and kind of a badass or whatever. And, in retrospect, I was thinking about this as we, you know, as b- before we started recording. In retrospect, I think, in my opinion, 
it makes sense why, of all the DC Comics characters, why CW chose Green Arrow to, um, to do a TV show. Because I honestly think when you use a character who's not as beloved as one of the flagship characters, you can almost go a little bit more under the radar, maybe mm. take a few liberties, and you don't have to worry about pissing off legions of fans. I mean, if sure. you take a character, for example, Superman and Batman, those characters are legendary. Yeah. Okay. And, and they have a ton of baggage with them. Okay. <laughs> of course. And so I almost wonder if that's why CW, out of all the characters they could have chosen in the extensive DC universe, they chose, okay, you know what? We're going to do Green Arrow. Because yeah. again, you can do a show based on him. You can take a few liberties as this show did. And, you know, the, the number of fans that it's going to piss off is not going to be huge. If anything, it's going to turn more onto the character. Wouldn't you agree? Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a, a fair way to look at it. And, you know, cause he is kind of a blank slate of a, of a property, you know, you can, yeah. you can bring in guest stars, you can bring in, you know, other characters, you can play with storylines. Um, yeah, it is a kind of a sandbox type character. Whereas if you did Superman, Batman, maybe Wonder Woman, you know, the big three, yeah, you're locked into, I mean, I mean, they, they fell in the rut with uh, Smallville. It's like, eventually they just started doing every Superman storyline that everyone knew, you know, they even did a, a doomsday storyline, you know, and all this before the character had even become Superman, you know? So it's like they, they were racing to do all these famous storylines in a, in a slightly watered down version because they couldn't do, do certain things. And with Batman, I mean, how many how many Batman related shows without Batman have there been, you know, Gotham, <laughs> um, maybe not as many as I'm thinking, but like Gotham, the Pennyworth, uh, Titans to some degree. I mean, it's, they've been so afraid to do a live action Batman show that they keep doing Batman adjacent things that I think there's a new brand new one that just started on the CW. It's like the kids of, of like poison Ivy's kid and, and, uh, some new new version of of Robin. It's like you guys, you you want to do a Batman show, obviously, but you're just too scared to. You know, yeah. they they had a yeah. Batman esque character on Smallville. You know, one one season or, or a couple oh, episodes. They? Yeah, I think his name was Adam Knight, and he was a oh, a rich kid clever. from you know That's rich so kid <laughs> from from maybe from Gotham even, but it's, he was Batman in in everything but name. You know. So, wow. um, well, I mean, this character and show, I, th I think we mm -hmm. can, we can go ahead and say it. This character and show was so successful. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've again, never... I mean, we're, we're not discussing the entire series where I sure. mean, but this show ran for eight seasons on the CW. I mean, so, I mean, it, it was a hit. It was. A hit oh yeah. I've never, I've never really heard anyone have a bad thing to say about the series maybe you no. know episode here or there but uh this this Stephen amell version of of oliver queen and green arrow has has i think you know uh been almost universally praised as like he he makes a good green arrow you know yeah i, I yeah. don't think you well, can I mean, take that away 
Yeah, I mean, well, the show was so successful. I mean, let's just say it. Okay, I don't think there would have been that Flash TV show if it wasn't for no. the success of this one. You know what I mean? For sure. And Flash, yeah. I think we can agree, is a bigger character in terms of popularity than Arrow. But what this yeah. show did is it kickstarted. Um, you already said it. The quote unquote Arrowverse, which had um, the Oliver Queen character teaming up with a number of other heroes from DC Comics. And what this also led to was it led to all of these crossovers. And again, I didn't watch any of these shows. I just know the marketing train for these shows was huge. Okay, But it led to crossovers with other shows on the CW that included, um, you already said it, but Supergirl, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, so, you know, kudos to CW, man. Kudos to, to CW and to DC. I mean, they... They figured out a formula, and it worked. Um, if we look at the plot, the premise of the show, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, Stephen Amell plays Oliver Queen, who is the mayor of Star City, I guess, and he also <laughs> right. moonlights. He also moonlights as uh, as the vigilante Green Arrow when the sun goes down. I think yeah. that's that's a pretty fair. Synopsis yeah, the right there, right? the uh, the whole mayor thing was new to me when I when I first watched the uh, the first episode we're going to talk about, and in that cold open, you know, the the recap thing, it, it tells you, you know, I'm Oliver Queen, I'm the mayor of Star City. It's, uh, that was that was brand new for me, so that must have been yeah. a season, you know, maybe maybe at the end of season, what is this, season five? So maybe in season four, they hinted it him taking a run at, at being mayor. So, so that was interesting, but I don't, I don't hate that idea. It's kind of a cool way to do it. Yeah. Well, the episodes um, that we're chatting today, um, yeah, they're, they're from season five. They encompass a six episode story arc that are scattered throughout the season. I yeah. would argue, I think they're scattered a little bit too, <laughs> too much throughout the season. To, right. To be honest. I mean, yeah. The, the show doesn't need to, or the season didn't need to be 23 episodes, but hey, what are you sure. going to do? Um, and yet, the, uh, the spread that we're talking about starts with season or episode six and goes to 23. So, yeah, there I are know. some some big jumps in there. Yeah, yeah, it, it's almost ridiculous. But um, yeah, they're, they're scattered throughout the season. Um, real quick, these episodes premiered in October of 2016, um, and these episodes are um, So It Begins. Vigilante, um, Capuchin, Honor Thy Fathers, Missing, and Luan Yu. Um, that's in, that one in particular is the, uh, is the season finale. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, I got wind that, uh, that our man of the hour, that Mr. Lundgren was going to be um, guest starring in some of the episodes. Uh, I was pretty excited. I remember I did watch, when it premiered, I did watch the first episode that he was on. Oh, okay. But then after that, it would, there would be like three, four episodes in between till the next episode that I I didn't I didn't watch any of the other ones until right. you know until we got ready to record because it got to the point where it was like okay I'm tired of waiting and <laughs> yeah um, some of these episodes we can just say like you know he may be in them but he's in them for maybe fifteen twenty seconds or so sure. at the very very end so it's like. Okay, yeah, he's in the episode, but he's really not. You know? Yeah, and, and that's one that we haven't really mentioned. Like this show had had a, a, a interesting way to tell stories because they had the the time, the present day storylines, and then it had flashbacks to the time when when Oliver Queen 
you know, was stranded on a, on a desert aisle or, you know, whatever that, that classic kind of trope. Um, so they were able to do a lot of interesting things with his time in the, the modern setting the the present day. And a lot of times the, the flashbacks onto the Island would inform what he would do in the present day, how he would solve a problem. They'd, they'd cut back to the flashback and suddenly he's dealing with, you know, a similar situation or, you know, so they were able to do interesting things with the Island storylines um, that I, I think I, I was really interested watching these because at a certain point, you know, the, the whole, you know, when, when it, the season, the series starts with Oliver Queen, oh, I've been stranded on a, on a island for years and years. And now I'm, I've been rescued and brought back to civilization. And you find out, well, he wasn't really alone on that island. And then it, you find out, oh, he wasn't really on the island the entire time he's been quote unquote missing or dead, you know, for five, five years, I think it was. And, they, yeah, like season three or two or three, I think you find out. Yeah, he left the island, and and here where we catch up with him in season five, like he spent time in Russia, you know, doing all this stuff that we'll we'll talk about. Um, so it's it's interesting. There's a lot of wiggle room for the showrunners, the the writers to to play with this these flashback sequences. So I I really dig it, and I think it worked well with these. The story, but then, yeah, you, you get, that's what we're kind of focusing on. You know, we want to see more of this flashback stuff because that's where the Dolph is, you know, and, and we don't get a lot of that, you know, so it is a little, you're, you're sitting around, I think with some of these episodes, like, okay, come on, get to the, the relevant stuff, you know, so. Well, see, so I think that's where you and I may be at, um, at opposite ends. And, Mm. and I think that's okay. That's totally fine. But I was not a fan of the flashback stuff. I, okay. I felt like, you know, I mean, and, and, and this is, again, my own personal opinion, but I think, okay, that um, I think prequels, okay, again, in my opinion, they're a bit of a tough sell. And I think they're mm. difficult to do because creating any kind of stakes and urgency oh, is, sure. is, is so hard because you, in a, in a sense, you already know the outcome. Okay. I mean, and, and if, so if you look at Oliver Queen in modern day, you we see these, we see these flashback sequences, but then we see Oliver Queen in modern day and it's like, well, he seems to be doing just fine in in modern day. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah. You you know, this prequel here, yeah, you can, they, they show him he's imprisoned and he's tied up and there's one of the episodes where he's being tortured by Dolph. And okay, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that sucks. Okay. (laughs) But yeah. I, I think we can assume he's going to turn out okay. I mean, that, that was one of the big reasons, to be honest. If you look at that Wolverine Origins movie mm. that came out back in 2009. Nine. Yep. Yeah, 2009. I mean, <clears throat> that movie had a lot of problems with it, I think we can say. But I think one of the big issues with it, at least for me, was it was like, okay, that's really cool that they want to tell Wolverine's origin story. Fine. Okay. But if you look at it, like Hugh Jackman was... 10 years older when they made that movie and he was so much more jacked okay, <laughs> sure. and so much more beefed out than he was in the first X-Men movie. So it's like, sure. you want us to believe that this takes place before the other stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
you know? And so, and this also is doing that thing, which I hate. You and I were talking about this, but this is like a TV trope that I just, I, I've never liked it. But it does that TV thing where to establish that this is in the past, <laughs> they throw a, a bad long-haired wig yeah. onto Stephen Amell just yeah. to let you know, okay, this, this takes place, you know, five, 10 years prior than the events that we're watching. It's like, okay, sure. well, I guess we know this because he's wearing that terrible wig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the flashback stuff because yeah, there, there aren't any stakes in terms of is, is he going to live, you know, through, get, make it through this situation alive. But I do think that it does a pretty good job of, of informing the character and showing mm-hmm. why he is the way he is. So you'd learn little things about, about, why you know what changed oliver queen you know when in his time away you know because when you see him in the the start of the series he's a he's a frat boy you know type uh rich spoiled kid that you would hate you know and so you you learn yeah why he is more of a severe and um serious character um but then i i was watching it and thinking about it and it reminds me a lot of the flashback stuff that did you ever watch the highlander tv series no i'm familiar i'm I'm familiar with it i thought that was a big thing in uh when it was in syndication i remember yeah yeah yeah. so they would also do flashbacks to show you things that that character had been through over his you know immortal you know lifetime um so just just fun ways you can tell you know period piece like little vignettes you know here they can spend some time doing you know this this little adventure of of oliver's in russia and sometimes it was stuff on the island and you know overall i i'd say i i enjoyed it but well i mean and obviously i'm coming at this a little biased okay because it's like look i i want more i want more dolph you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, and I could be wrong with this one, but I think what happened was, um, you know, with a lot of these actors, especially if you're getting a, a guest star appearance, mm-hmm. especially one who has a lot of baggage, like yeah. someone like, uh, like Dolph Lundgren has. Um, I think, I wonder if the production can only afford him for, for so many days, you know, on set and things. So what they have to do is they have to film his scenes. And I guess maybe they figured, okay, we can't make him. I mean, that that was my big thing is I was like, man, I would have liked this. I think so much better if instead of being a villain who's presented in flashbacks, Mm. if he was a current villain. Okay. Or, or what they also could have done, which I think would have been really, really cool. If they want to make him a flashback villain, fine. Okay. Because what they do in one of the episodes is they toy with, okay, he's dead or at least we think, okay. Oliver Queen kills him. And then it turns out he's not really dead and he's gunning for revenge. Wouldn't it have been cool? I'm just throwing this out there. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it have been cool if Kovar's character, this is Dolph's character, Constantine Kovar, we should say, wouldn't it have been cool, though, if his character came to the present? Right. And his character teamed up with the villain. Of yeah. Because we haven't really said, but... Um, these scenes are sprinkled or excuse me, these scenes are in flashback and they're kind of tied in slightly with the main story arc of the season, which has um, Oliver Queen. He's on the trail of a, uh, a serial killer who's calling himself Prometheus 
Right. Wouldn't have been cool. I'm just throwing it out there. If in the final couple episodes, it turns out that Konstantin Kovar is not dead. He has come back to star city and he's teaming up with Prometheus. So then yeah. in that way you're getting him in the present. You know what I'm saying? I, I definitely think for our purposes and looking at these six, I definitely agree with you. I think that is a trope trope might not be the right word. I think that is a card that this series has played many times. I think the character Slade Wilson, uh, Deathstroke, you know, I think they kind of did that with him. Like he was an, he was an Island villain and then he became a present day villain. And I think they did this, uh, all of Oliver's, you know, enemies that he made while his time on the Island, or at least his time, um, you know, away came to the modern, you know, came to the present day. So I think that's just a, something they've done several times and you're absolutely right. That would make a fun story, but I think they've done that enough times that that would just be uh, repeating that same thing again. So yes, it would make this story better, but probably would, would have felt, you know, as a series as a whole, probably would have just felt uh, like they were recycling a thing they've done before. See, this is why I'm glad I had you on. See, (laughs) you're on, you can put me in check. So thank you. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, and I totally agree with you, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, if if we look at the plot of, uh, of Dolph's arc, okay. Yeah. We we can say if we, if we look at the plot of his arc and his overall character, um, I will say that um, despite there not being enough of him and despite his scenes all being done in flashback, like we kept saying, um, I do really, really like his character. I do I, too. I, I will say that. I do really like his character. So Dolph plays the character um, Konstantin Kovar. He runs a uh, Russian criminal empire. Like we keep saying, his scenes are all via flashback when Oliver Queen was still a relative rookie at being mm-hmm. a superhero vigilante. I think at this point, he still hadn't fully adopted the mantle of Green Arrow, but he was kind of he's kind of at the stage where he's kind of toying with it. I think. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Like in the in the Capuchon episode, that that word, I guess, I guess in Russian means hood. So that's like yeah. when he first kind of plays with taking on the an identity, you know, uh, yeah, playing a character, you know. Um, and I I also really liked what Dolph did in, in these episodes. I like the character. It made me really wish we had gotten a proper uh, bond villain. You know, I wish, I wish they had really used him in a bond movie. I know he was technically in a view to a kill, but you know, that's blinking. You miss him kind of thing, but yeah. I wish he'd been, you know, used well, maybe against, a um, not Dalton or yeah. Uh, Dalton, I think he would have been good against, or maybe even uh, Pierce Brosnan, you know, kind of that late 80s, 90s time period. Um, Now, I don't know if you could really fit him in, certainly not against like the Daniel Craig era, but who knows what they'll do next. But um, but yeah, I I like this character that he's playing. And and I I did some reading. um, Dolph Lundgren did an interview with IGN, Talking about like, I think the the 
first episode of his arc had aired. So they were kind of talking about that. And he was talking about some stuff that he's shot, but hasn't come out yet. Like some little, little fight work that he got to do. And just the way he, he viewed his character as being, uh, he even said that he, he compares him to like Ivan Drago. If he had made a bunch of money and, you know, ended up, working with uh, the government and kind of, cause he, I guess he, he views his character here, this Constantine Kovar as a, uh, what does he say? Uh, businessman, you know, criminal uh, government agent kind of thing. Like he's kind of working for the, the FSB, which is Russia's federal uh, security service. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, um, He's essentially the character is. I mean, you, you. I mean, you said a couple things there. Okay. I mean, it's very clear what they're doing here. Okay. Yeah. You know, Dolph's one of his most famous roles is Ivan Drago, right? Where he mm-hmm. plays a Russian, and so he's played a Russian yeah. quite a few times in his career. So that's clearly what they're doing and why they cast him. Sure. Is, uh, to kind of harken back to that. You talk a little bit about Dolph Lundgren coming in, and I know that Mark had increased his episode count once he saw some of the stuff coming back. And kind of what we're going to get to see. Obviously, he's a legend. Yeah, he is. He's, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting watching someone that that has sort of cut their teeth in film walk on to a twenty three episode a year television show with fourteen hour days because he just moves at his own pace and it's not it's not in it's not indulgent. He he when he came to set, he he knew his stuff. Not that I expected anything less. He was very respectful. He asked a lot of questions. He clearly done his homework. And but you know, it's like Dolph Dolph moves the way that he moves, and <laughs> and he was he's very very thoughtful and is you know contemplates his lines and um, he has been great so far. But it's it's a real it's a real change of pace. And I and I do think that that it, it would have been a missed opportunity in the last year of these flashbacks. Um, to not have a really worthy adversary. Um, and we found that in Dolph, which is why he'll be, you know, around for a while. And uh, it's been a blast to work with him. It's been awesome. Kovar, this character, he's essentially the big snake, if you will, that Oliver's yeah. been trying to nab, knowing that with uh, him out of the picture, the Russian criminal empire is going to be weakened significantly, almost over. Um, Kovar, I mean, he controls a variety of things. He controls fighting rings, weapon smuggling, casinos. He also has a private um, army and militia <laughs> under his command. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a really cool character. And, you know, I mean, I, I've said this in previous episodes as well, but I mean, as evidenced in numerous previous films, I mean, Dolph plays a fantastic menacing bad guy. Sure. Okay. I mean, he, he plays a wonderful villain. Um, here, he's once again applying a Russian accent, like we said. But there are some really interesting touches that they add that I actually really, really liked. I love how he's well-dressed and in a suit most of the yeah. time. Um, there's even one scene where he throws down with Oliver Queen, and he's st- he's in a tuxedo that's kind of, you know, half, half you know, the tie hasn't been tied yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. I like how he rarely shouts. If you think about yeah. it, I mean, he, yeah. he rarely, um, his menace is all done um, with a really quiet demeanor as a means to intimidate. I actually really, really like that. You know, I'll say right now, actually, I think his acting, okay? I think this is, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think his acting in these scenes is 
is some of his best that, mm. that we've ever seen. I mean, you can, you can tell, I mean, when he's on screen, he has that ability to, he kind of sucks the air out of the room. He kind of brings your attention to him. He has that presence, but yeah. that scene when, and I was going to play that scene here in a minute, actually, but when Oliver first meets Kovar, so what happens is Oliver Queen, he wakes up, he's been kind of ambushed, right? He's tied up at a table yeah. and, Kovar is introducing himself as he's casually eating his meal and he's threatening <laughs> him. I mean, this is this is great stuff. That was my yeah. absolute favorite part. Mr. Queen, over the dead. I thought you might enjoy breaking my men's questioning. I trust you show the proper manners. Go ahead, go ahead. Please, eat. But I must confess, you become something of a fascination with me. Oliver Queen, Starling City's favorite son, presumed dead after a maritime accident four years ago. What do you want from me? Answers? Try to blow up my casino. Now my sources tell me you become Bratva. Nah, many enemies, but you're quite unique. A week of questioning, a week of torture, and you told my men nothing. Just accept the occasional screaming for a woman to avenge her. What was her name? Tayana. Скоро зацветет. Я принесу к вам в офис несколько цветков, как только они распустятся. Какая причина будет тебя обдеть? Both her children, Tayana, Blood, had disappeared. I said, do not worry. I'll get you a job so you can get by while you wait for them to return. She's been there ever since. Um, yeah, no, I like the <laughs> one of my notes was that uh, Dolph is a good is is a great food actor. Like, cause he is, yeah. uh, you first, you meet him in this sequence and yeah, he is like, eating and, but it doesn't feel like uh fake Hollywood, you know, food acting. So, um, yeah. but, uh, I, I thought maybe his, his Russian accent was a little bit dodgy and it, it helped, it you know, obviously, out, yeah. yeah, you know, and it, he is absolutely, you know, in this primarily because he's so famous for being Ivan Drago. And that was a role that like lines did he have in, in Rocky four, like, you know, maybe 10, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's definitely one of those things that, you know, less might, less might be more, 
But as far as the, the acting, like I, I think, yeah, I think he does a really good job in this, uh, in this, uh, story arc. So yeah, I, he, he was fun to watch for sure. Well, and it's not necessary. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't think it's necessary for us to go through each one of mm. these episodes because some of them, I mean, he's barely even in them. But I right. mean, that's pretty much the story arc, okay? He's the big bad yeah. Russian villain in the flashback sequences. I guess his his overall plan is to seemingly to to overthrow the this Russian uh the Bratva, which is the Russian right. mafia, which is, you know, Oliver, Oliver is, you know, teamed up with, with, he's got in good with the, the Russian mafia. And so Kovar is trying to take them down and then seemingly like take control of Russia. Like they, they kind of indicate that, yeah, once he does this, his next goal will be taking over the military, taking over the country. So he, he is a, you know, in terms of of big bads, you know, his his goal is is pretty you know substantial. So, yeah, well, and there are a number of fight scenes between um, between Kovar and Oliver Queen. Um, many of them, including the best one, I will say, um, use a stunt double for Lundgren, and so mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious that it's not him. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that, there's that one scene. I mean, it is it is awesome. I believe it's in the is it the first or the second episode where we see Dolph's character. But um, yeah, it's 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 a really cool scene. But the lighting makes it to where you can. It, it's it's clearly Dolph's stunt double. But yeah, still, I think it's episode seven. It's it's in the it, vigilante because okay, yeah. there's yeah. A, a, a a very silhouetted uh, fight yeah. in the hallway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Know, it's probably not even Stephen Amell that that Dolph's stunt double is fighting. So it's neither of them, you know, neither of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, like we said, um, Oliver Queen thinks that he killed Kovar in one of Mm -hmm. the episodes, Um, quite a few episodes pass till it is revealed that uh, Constant Kovar is not dead. And that, like I said, he wants revenge. And so, yeah, so we get more scenes that are kind of sprinkled throughout the season, throughout the episodes. Um, it all culminates in their final fight, which is also a flashback where Oliver, uh, Queen and, uh, Kovar, they're, they're wrestling in a forest and then Queen eventually snaps the neck of Kovar, yeah. finally putting him out for good. Again, it's, I mean, I, that's the thing. If, if I'm going to give this series, these seas, or excuse me, these episodes from the season some praise, I will say, I think the, the, the fight choreography is really quite good. And, um, and yeah, I mean, and, and that's the other thing too that I feel we need to, uh, give credit to the show for is the, the show, I mean, we're kind of in this weird age right now. I don't know if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, but we're kind of in this weird age right now where, um, a lot of these independent action movies, especially the ones that Dolph does, really just don't have any budgets really mm. at all. Okay, yeah. So it's it's really kind of nice when you are are watching one of these uh, one of these films, and it's like, wow, that's a real explosion there, or <laughs> wow, that is yeah. a real boat chase there. I mean, they they're really using a boat there that, and they have a helicopter shot that's or mm-hmm. a drone, if you will, that's um that's filming this, this boat. Be- I mean, we just don't get those kind of things in uh, a lot of these independent films. Anymore. Sure. But that right there, I, I will say this film doesn't uh, skimp on um, scrimp on, on, on budget and on um, the fight scenes. Yeah, no, I, that's good. Good point. Yeah. Cause there's good uh, Oliver versus uh, 
you know, a machine gun on a helicopter that is, is really well done. And then the helicopter crashes and, and then that's where Kovar had been, you know, he'd been in the helicopter and then that's when they get on the ground and have their, their final fight. So yeah, that's all really well done. Well, and I think what they're doing here, and maybe you might be, cause again, you're, you're, you, you know, the show more than I do, but I think what they're doing is they've put the, 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 the Dolph Lundgren flashback scenes. These are in here to kind of parallel the events that Oliver Queen is currently dealing with. Right. So th- this, this, these, these, um, these episodes, there's essentially two story arcs. There's the flashback story arc with, um, you know, with, with Konstantin Kovar and Russia and all that. And then we have the current story arc. So we already kind of mentioned it, but yeah, uh, Green Arrow is on the trail of Adrian Chase, who, um, he's not just the district attorney of Star City and <laughs> former friend of Oliver Queen, but, uh, yeah, he's also a serial killer who calls himself Prometheus. Um, he's also referred to by the media as the throwing star killer. But yeah. that's what they're doing. They're kind of paralleling these two villains here, right? Yeah, I didn't think that came across as much as uh, previous seasons that I had seen where the the on-island kind of flashback stuff would very, very closely parallel what was happening in the in the, the present day. Um, here I thought it was more because you're getting a a storyline across you know six episodes each little bit that you see isn't necessarily telling a story it's telling one story which i thought was unique versus the times that i can remember in the previous seasons where you'd get uh almost like a the the flashback stuff was almost like a, (coughs) a bottle episode you know contained within each episode that they they used it um so this this you know whole storyline in in the flashback I think ultimately yeah it does mirror the the final confrontation that he has with with Prometheus and the way that you know he handled it back then versus the way he, he'll handle it in the present day you know those definitely are are tied into each other um but it was interesting, like watching. You might just yeah get a, a two minute little sequence in the flashback, and it's like what what did that have to do with the the main storyline? Well, not nothing really, but it, <laughs> it, it definitely informs. It builds onto this story that uh, as we go, and you know, yeah, I I really liked the this whole uh, Russian uh, backstory thing. Well, I mean, you already said it, Travis, earlier that, that I just want to go back to real quick. As, I mean, it's very clear that this is a television show and not a film. Mm. Okay. I mean, th- there are so many little aspects about it that make it very clear that it's a TV show. And I feel like, I mean, look, I think audiences of late have been um, kind of spoiled in a lot of ways, considering episodic television has become serialized with production values that mm-hmm. kind of rival feature length movies. I mean, so we've really been the, the landscape of TV has changed significantly even within mm. the last 10 years. So it's, it's, it's kind of unfair to compare it that way, but um, sure. this here that we're looking at here, that that's kind of one of the things that took me out of it a bit was that mm. it's, it's just so clear that it's a TV <laughs> show, you know what I mean? Yeah. From yeah. the silly, um, from the silly dopey dialogue, Okay. Yeah. I don't think the dialogue in many scenes is very strong, especially Oliver Queen's uh, tech assistant. 
Oh okay? yeah. She's, yeah. She's just obnoxious um, <laughs> to the obvious, the, the obvious commercial breaks. Like you always know when there's yeah, going to be a yeah. commercial break, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. The, it does the, become, yeah. The stuff that really bugged me watching this, um, what were the, some of the interactions? Cause this is a, is also like, I was used to an arrow show that had Felicity, his, his kind of the quote unquote man in the chair, you know? Um, yeah. And then John Diggle, his, you know, his friend, his, his bodyguard, you know, and may like, that was it. Like that was his team. So then when I, when I start watching this, it's like, you got, a uh, character called Wild Dog. You got a Ragman in some of the early episodes. Uh, Mister Terrific. I mean, you got some some deeper bench, you know, DC characters that are on now on this Team Arrow, and you know, so in some of the early ep- episodes, you got team dynamics, and they're not really all getting along. Um, so some of that was interesting, but then later, some of the the stuff with uh, Mr. Terrific, who's, I guess, I don't, I don't know if they call him that in this, but um, his name's Curtis. And he he and, and Felicity would have, like, these uh, reference, you know, not battles, but, like, they would make a reference. Like, what, he makes a reference to, to Witness, you know, the, the Harrison Ford movie. And it's like, what, you guys don't get, get that reference? Like, they speak to each other in reference references because they're they're geeks you know and it's like that stereotype like like not all geeks talk to each other in movie references and pop culture references and especially not when people's lives are at stake and people are missing like no one's taking a break to you know make a witness reference you know so that was a little annoying that's just like a a become shorthand for like oh see how geeky and uh this character is they they speak in you know dated movie references, you know, so that was a little annoying. Well, before we, before we get to team arrow. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I had some questions for you about that. Okay. Um, but, but what it also does that kind of drove me nuts. Okay. Is it also, again, another TV trope. Okay. But it also does that thing um, that, um, that a lot of, I remember soap operas did it. I remember, you know, going to my uh, grandparents during the summertime and, and watching <laughs> uh, soap operas with them yeah. or whatever those would be on in the background. So that's, that's only my frame of reference there. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it does that thing that, that drives me nuts where the time frame of the episodes isn't particularly <laughs> strong either. So, yeah. and what I mean by that is, okay, you'll see like, okay, you have conversations that are taking forever that are going mm-hmm. for the entire episode. Yet then you have events that are going on, you know, simultaneously with the conversation. And I guess the episode that I'm referring to, it's the one where, um, again, we're looking at modern day, but it's where Oliver Queen has, uh, he's, he's tied up and he's imprisoned by Adrian mm. Chase. Yeah. Okay. And so the entire episode is him pretty much in this lair. He's imprisoned or whatever. And he and Adrian Chase are having these this conversation that's just going in circles. It's just yeah. going completely in circles. Yet, meanwhile, we see all the other characters. They're in Star City, and they're you know tackling various you know obstacles and doing whatever. And then every time you cut back to uh, uh, Oliver Queen, he's having that same conversation. And it's like, <laughs> well, how much time is is passing here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
Um, yeah, and that maybe that they can get away with that because he is imprisoned, and they're literally just he keeps coming back to him like, yeah, tell me what I want to know. Yeah, so maybe it's like, yeah, they they literally have been having that same conversation for that long. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the whole time frame stuff with this, the stuff that really bugs me is the TV stuff of like, you have a character, again, Mr. Terrific, played by Echo Kellum. And in the, in his scenes in the, the Arrow Cave, what they, they call it, the, the Arrow, the team layer, you know, yeah. his hair will be real big, you know, <laughs> um, but then when he suits up, his hair is all braided. It's all, you know, yeah. and it's like, when is that happening? You know, and when he are you thing on his face? He paints yeah, his face. Yeah. And it's like, I was wondering that same thing too, actually is stuff okay, like so... that really bugs me. Like you cannot, you know, dip in and out of character when like, I don't, I, that takes, I mean, I don't know. I don't have that hairstyle, but I think to, to put all of your, your, you know, fro into into cornrows i think that takes a while you know so to yeah. you know just stupid stuff like that that seemingly happens instantly and i've always that's always bugged me with any superhero uh thing especially like in in here we have all of their suits are all in this arrow cave all their suits hang on mannequins and it's like how long does it take you guys to to take apart these mannequins to get your armor and your costumes off of those put them on yourself you know um the the batman stuff has been doing that as well like you know it, it just always bugs me it's like this, this stuff would take you so long to put on you know but that's the that's just you know one of those little silly things but yeah yeah. Um, well, I mean, let's, I mean, we're kind of wrapping up, but I, I, mm. we, we can't discuss these episodes without discussing team arrow. And mm. so, um, yeah. Okay. Um, this was one of the big aspects. Okay. If you go back through and you watch any of the marketing for the show, when this, uh, when the season premiered, okay. Um, back in 2016, 2017, this is one of the big things that, um, the, the fifth season was promoted on was that green arrow now has his own team of heroes. Yeah. Okay. He has his own arrow team. And so it makes sense. Okay. From a storytelling, storytelling standpoint, it makes sense that green arrow would align himself with the team, especially yeah. seeing as how he's the mayor. Okay. So he has a city to run, so he can't do it all. Right. Okay, fine. But what's so, what's so funny about this is similar how to similar to how green arrow is that character from the C list. It only mm. makes sense that his team of heroes comes from the D list. <laughs> right. Hero. And yeah. so the only, the only one that I knew, the only one that I had any kind of a familiarity with was wild dog. And the only reason okay. I know wild dog is because I remember reading comics in the late eighties, early nineties. And um, that was a mini series that came out. So DC was heavily promoting that mini series. Cause I saw ads for it and some of the issues I was reading. And so what it was basically is it was their attempt to do Punisher, but also I'm assuming Friday the 13th was big. So they thought let's, let's <laughs> hockey do mask. with a hockey mask. Yeah. 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 So, um, so wild dog is the only one that I have any kind of familiarity with, but these other ones, Mr. Terrific, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Ragman, I have no idea. John Diggle, 
who apparently just throws on a helmet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, that's Team Arrow there. And I guess John Diggle, that's not even a comic character, is it? That's a character created for the show, right? Correct. So, yeah, they started the series out with uh, Diggle was just his, uh, was just Oliver's driver. Once he came back to the real world, they, his family, like, assigned this driver to him. And they got to know each other pretty well. And this was when Oliver was starting out his career as this vigilante. And so he'd have his driver who, you know, was smart enough to figure out you're up to something, you know, and he kind of started to to sidekick with him. And he's like, well, I'm supposed to protect you. So if that means going out with you while you're doing your vigilante stuff, like, okay, I guess I'm a part of this. And so they teamed up and they formed a really tight friendship really quickly. And it became like his, his best friend and his confidant. And then I think slowly over time, they were like, well, it doesn't really make sense that he would just be his, his bodyguard slash driver. Like we have to, he has to suit up at some point. So then they started to develop this backstory where he has ties with uh, Argus, which eventually leads to like, he was on one of the, one of the versions of the suicide squad in this, in this, uh, you know, Arrowverse, like he went under the name uh, freelancer. And then I think they dropped that once he was like fully, you know, in costume with Oliver going out, he was, he went under the name Spartan and that's where he basically just has a little kind of suit of armor in this helmet. Like he doesn't really have powers or anything. I guess they, they saved that for the end of the series. Apparently there's a scene where he, he opens this box and it's like, out of the box comes this glowing green light. So it's like to imply that in this universe, he will become uh, a a green lantern Um, kind of a cool little, you know, hint at things, you know, for the future. I guess that, that might've even come, he's crossed over now into the Superman and Lois series, I think. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, he's a character that, yeah, they created for the, the series and they named him after Andy Diggle, who, who wrote, uh, Green Arrow year one, which this series took a lot of inspiration from, from year one. So that's why his name's Diggle. Well, and again, I mean, and we should probably say it's, it's not fair for me. Okay. Because I realize like, I'm essentially, I'm coming in to, in a lot of respects, I'm, I'm that kid who's kind of walking into a movie theater to quote, mm. um, the big Lebowski. Okay. When, uh, when John Goodman was bitching at, uh, <laughs> yeah. Buscemi, but that, that's basically what I'm doing here is <laughs> I'm, I'm coming in. Yeah. I'm out of my element here. Okay. There you go. I'm out of my, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling like I should go back and watch uh, big Lebowski, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'm out of my element here. Okay. I'm, I'm coming into a show that's already been, that already has characters and everything established. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five seasons in. So I realize that. Okay. Um, having said that though, again, because it's a TV show, there are so many little elements that just kind of left to me like confused. Okay. Because again, you have a show that has five seasons worth of baggage. Okay. So you have all these characters and things like that, but then it does that thing again, like with so many of these, you know, soap opera esque TV series that go on for 23 episodes a season <laughs> where you'll get one random scene 
where this John Diggle character is reuniting with his family. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. and then his family is never shown again. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, what's the point of that? There, yeah. There's another scene where Wild Dog is fighting. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wild custody Dog is, and, yeah. Yeah, he's fighting for custody. And so they, yeah. they show that one random scene where he's um, in court trying to get custody. <laughs> and then we never, like that that plot line is never resolved. Well, it's it's like, like, I think in the first two episodes, we get the character Ragman, who I don't know anything about. I think he has like weird powers where he can control his suit, has like these tendrils that come out and wrap people up or whatever. And then he's never, we never see him again. Like after episode, maybe he's in six and seven. I think he's in episode six and seven. And then the thing that happens after episode seven is that's when one of the, the big uh, multi-show crossover event happens. So I don't know if he was in that event and he got killed or he got, you know, sucked into a, a, another, you know, uh, reality universe, you know, I don't know, but he's not on the team, you know, from episode 17 through the, through 23. So, yeah. And they reference him, you know, I think in the first couple episodes, yeah, Felicity, the the they they call her Overwatch because she needs a nickname too. Um, like she has a boyfriend, you know, on the police force. He never, you know, comes back in the later se- season or uh, episodes. So yeah, who knows? Well, okay, here we are at the end. And again, I want to first of all, Travis, I want to say thank you so so much for uh, for agreeing to watch these with me and coming Absolutely, on. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Again, we are not reviewing the entire season. We're not reviewing the entire show because I imagine there are actually quite a few um, Arrow podcasts out there. So if if this crosses Mm -hmm. paths with them, they're gonna. I imagine they're gonna be listening to this saying, "You guys did something so unfair here." How can you? (laughs) Yeah. Um. So okay, if we look at this, I'm curious, Travis. Do these six episodes get a recommend from you? Not just as a uh, as a fan of Dolph Lundgren, but also as a fan of uh, of of comic books and um, mm. and and their adaptations on both the big screen and the small screen. Where does this one lie for you? Um, overall, like I, I I did enjoy the story that that we watched through these six episodes. Um, it uh, it definitely ended on a point with with the because it does it. This is where season five ends. You know, it made me want to watch season six. Uh, or at least the first episode, you know, cause it does have a, a real good cliffhanger ending. Um, and yeah, I mean, overall, I think it was a, it was a fun, you know, chunk of the series to watch. Um, I definitely haven't done this before where we just take a look at, you know, a couple episodes spread apart through a, through a season. Um, but it was fun to do for sure. So, um, yeah, this gets a recommend from me. Um, yeah, I would I would suggest watching these these six. I think it tells a, a solid of enough story. You know, you can ignore the the little outlying things. Of, you know, that don't get paid off. But you know, that's that's the nature of you know watching episodes that are that are maybe separated by a little bit. So, but yeah, I think yeah. there's enough here to to enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I in in my opinion, okay, watching this, uh, I honestly think that 
this is really just for fans of the show Arrow and no one else. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's how I came back to it. I think yeah. the production values were all pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah. I mentioned, the practical explosions, um, the, the speeding boat chase. I mean, you really have to kind of sit back and marvel at that they did this for, uh, for a television show, which I thought was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, but in the end, for me, I go back to where I was as, as a little kid. Green Arrow was always kind of a meh character mm-hmm. who's, only made slightly cooler thanks to the show now. And so other than a few really cool action sequences, there was really nothing here that caused me to kind of snap to attention. Okay. You know what I mean? And I'm well aware of the fact that I'm coming into this and I'm reviewing six episodes from the fifth season in an already established and fan reviewed television series. Right. I get that. Um, but as is, there were so many more moments that came off as cheesy rather than badass for me. And gotcha. so, um, that's kind of where I stand as for Dolph Lundgren's inclu- inclusion in the show. Um, I think he is indeed a welcome presence, um, but there's just simply not enough of him to make his, uh, to make his character stand out. There are such long stretches without his character that you almost forget he's even in this. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's kind of where I was at. Um, I think uh, he's in these flashbacks that um I was going to say that they didn't make much sense, but I'm glad to have you on because you kind of helped me make sense of, uh, of how they kind of parallel things that were to come. But in my opinion, you know, these flashback sequences, they don't really add a whole lot of stakes to the show because again, they're flashbacks. Right. So you kind of know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Thankfully um, that constant Govar is a really cool character, but in the end, okay. In the end, I was left wanting so much more of this character and less of the Prometheus subplot. Sure. And I think maybe in the end, I, I guess that's probably because I'm biased on that. <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, no, this has been a ton of fun. Um, yeah. like I said, it's, it's been, it's been quite a while, but, uh, uh, where can fans find you and, uh, what is it you're working on? What is it you'd like to promote? Sure. To get the, uh, the, the show is yours to tell okay. us what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still doing my the same thing that I probably was promoting last time. Uh, my show, Real Comic Heroes, and we go through a big list of comic book movies and we we review them. We started with Superman and the Mole Men from 1951, and we've been working in release order. Uh, as of this recording, we've made it to. Uh, the late nineties, we just did, um, uh, what did we do? Starship troopers from 97 and then alien resurrection. We just did, we've got, uh, the, the bond movie tomorrow never dies is coming up next for us. So we're, we're hitting some of the late nineties movies and yeah, like I said, we go in release order. So it's kind of interesting to, to follow along with these, uh, this genre and doesn't doesn't exclusively include comic book movies. We've branched out and done, you know, like I said, Alien, uh, the James Bond stuff, the you know Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Star Trek, a lot of other you know similar genres. Just uh, just yeah, taking it one film at a time and and looking at how the how movies as a whole and how the genre as a whole have, have changed and grown and, and all that. So if you're interested, check out real comic heroes, that's real with two E's. And, uh, and then my, uh, my other podcast that is 
kind of new. Um, it's, it's still in development. I'm still recording and, and producing the episodes that I will then release as a whole um, is my movie by minutes podcast, where if you're not familiar with movie by minutes, it's a, a genre of podcasting where you take a movie, you cut it into typically one minute uh, segments and then you spend, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes sometimes, um, you know, one episode at a time looking at that one minute of film and just breaking down everything that goes into to making that movie and uh, the themes and the, the dialogue and all that. So, uh, but I'm doing a movie by minutes podcast on the 1991 uh, Kevin Costner, Kevin Reynolds movie, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So oh, that's nice. uh, that's uh, my podcast minute minute of thieves. Um, we'll be going through through that movie, and that's one of those that I'm I'm like I said I'm still in production on that one. So I'm I'm recording a bunch of episodes so that when once I start releasing episodes, I can release them Monday through Friday. You know, one episode a day. So I need to have a bunch of them recorded and produced before I start releasing. So as of right now there's nothing for for you to hear on that show but just something to look forward to i guess Excellent. if you're interested yeah yeah well this is i again i i really do appreciate you coming on um for sure you didn't, and what was so cool about this is you didn't even really bat an eye about it i didn't have hmm. to twist your your, your <laughs> leg or anything you said yeah i totally love to so i really do appreciate that man thank you yeah man anytime so great all right uh well to everyone out there who is listening Please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews. And we'll see you all next time on I Must Break, this podcast.